Welcome to this episode of Africa State of Mind. I am excited, I am nervous, and I normally have an amazing introduction prepared. But every time I kept on writing about how it was that I was going to introduce this guest, I thought, okay, scrap that, that's not cool enough, let me start again, let me try again. And the reason why is that I feel that every so often there's somebody who um, you get to meet or somebody who's doing f- such phenomenal work within uh, the continent and phenomenal work in terms of who they are, that they're changing lives. And my guest on this episode of Africa State of Mind is such a person. She's originally from Liberia. Liberian girl. <laughs> she also started out her career as a dancer. She was a TV host and now she's changing lives um, as a pastor um, at my church. <laughs> but she also does preach around the continent and around the world. I'm so excited to have her in here. She's a mentor. She is phenomenal. She's everything that every woman in Africa should want to be. Please help me welcome Pushy Watson. Pastor Pushy, hey, welcome. Hello. So good to be here. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. I'm like literally nervous everything inside of me is like you know shaking but it's a good thing because i just i you know i just think that this your story is going to really change a lot of people's lives um within the continent so um pastor pushy you're originally from liberia right yes did you grow up in south africa or um i left liberia when i was 10 years old yeah i was in kenya i was in ghana wow. i was in gambia yeah. i was in namibia <laughs> You're like an African girl. <laughs> and yeah. then I came to South Africa. Yeah. Yeah, but I've practically grown up here because I've been here for so long. Yes. And what is it that you feel that you love the most about just being in South Africa? I think South Africa is the best of both worlds. Yeah. You know, we have the modern uh, commodities yeah. and infrastructure and superstructure, you know, of the Western world. Yes. But we still have that African thing. We still have that yes. Ubuntu, that, yes. you know, touch, that African feel, yeah. you know, and and African privileges of, uh, well, in general. Yeah. yeah you oh. know, not going to too much detail, but life is a bit more uh, easier in Africa, yeah. You know, because we have we we have each other. Mm. You know, whereas in overseas, the Western world, it's a bit more isolated. Yes. And, okay, let me just say it. You do your own laundry. You oh yeah, no, you drive and yourself, <laughs> and you, you have to put in your, your own, own house. <laughs> you, yeah. I mean, forget that one. Yeah, that one. No, after yeah. the first day of putting petrol in just to take one picture, I was done with it. I yeah. was over it. You yeah. Know? So yeah, you get the best of both worlds mm-hmm. in Africa. So now, you know, I'm um, just as you were speaking and you mentioned about all the different countries that you have lived in and now settling within South Africa. I just kept on thinking about how everything in our lives happens on purpose. Excellent. You know, um, and and I almost it's a strange question, but maybe indulge me. Do you think that your your life path and career path was directly tied to you taking all the steps? and the journeys that you had taken, I mean, staying in all the different countries and ending up in South Africa? Or do you think that things would be different if perhaps you had stayed in Liberia from a purpose perspective? Oh, definitely. Definitely. I really believe that our steps are ordered yeah. uh, by the Lord. And um, coming to South Africa was def- definitely a divine destiny. Mm. It's not a thing that I would have chosen. I, you know, you can't be a, a young girl and say, I want to live in South Africa for, my, for the rest of my life. I've never been to South Africa yes. before. And everybody that uh, came to South Africa, like all my cousins from the States, everybody mm. that came, came 
two years, three years, maybe five years, and they left. Mm. And I'm the only person who remained. Yeah. And even when I decide, okay, it's time to go to the States to be with my family, God brings me back. Mm. So, you know, when you surrender your life to the Lord, he says, before I formed your mother's womb, I knew you. Yeah. You know, I purposed you, I appointed you, I separated you, I called you. Yes. And when you surrender to that call, your life is no longer your own. And living in different countries, traveling, I've been all over America, all over Europe, you know, traveling to all those countries. I would ask myself, you know, why? Mm. Why the exposure to all these countries? And then years, years and years later, uh, a, a pastor named Pastor Jensen Franklin, the first time he sees me, we don't know each other. He says, the call of God, on, the call on your life is international. Sure. And, and so you start to put the pieces of the puzzle together because we live life forward, mm. but we understand it backwards. Sure. Powerful. So then yeah. you start to connect the dots. Mm. So this is why I travel to so many countries. This is why I'm exposed to different cultures, different mm. people. Um, I spoke French, German, Swahili. This is why I've connected with people all over the world. Um, mm. This is why I was in international schools all my life, mm. boarding schools with people from all over the world. Mm. Um, this is why I travel to so many places, to my friends' uh, uh, countries and and um, yeah, you, you begin to understand that when God has an international call in your life, he will expose you exactly to that. So it's not intimidating. It's not foreign. It's not yeah. out of your comfort zone. It, it's natural. Yes, sure. it's natural. That's so true. And you know, um, um, Pastor Pushy, also a lot of people would remember you because I'm, I'm just trying to remember if, what the order was. If it was Channel O first. Absolutely. Or was it then Jam Alley? Absolutely. You know, so you had quite a huge profile because... Uh, even when you said you had quite a huge profile and being from another African country to have that sort of profile within South Africa was not anything that was ordinary by any stretch of the imagination. I think you literally, everywhere you would go, people were literally stopping you, you know, and a lot of um, people wanted to be like you. And then I would assume, I stand to be corrected at that point, that your walk with God was not as strong as what it is now. So what was the, the turning point for you? You know, you're absolutely right. My very first job was Channel O, mm. which is the African uh, uh, channel, yes. you know, music channel. And, and it was home. Yes. It was so natural because... I knew people from all over Africa. Yes. So I had friends. Then we didn't have, you know, emails, pen pals, uh, um, emails and uh, social media and everything. So we had pen pals. Yes. People would be writing to Channel O from all over saying, oh, I went to school with her. Oh, I know oh, her. I, I saw her in <laughs> Ethiopia. Oh, I know her from Ghana. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, you know. So God had already established those connections in mm -hmm. all of those territories. Mm -hmm. And... I grew up in a Christian home, but you know, when you're away from your parents, you're away from your mother, and you don't have to go to church every Sunday. Then it's like, hello, <laughs> hello world, <laughs> you know? So I, I was not living a saved life. Yeah. I'm, I've always been a Christian girl, yeah. but I'd call myself at that stage a closet Christian, mm. yeah. you know, where I felt my relationship with God was my business and nobody else's business. Yeah. And, you know, so I was not a testimony. I was not a testament to God's grace and God's goodness. I was yeah. just living... A normal life, celebrity yeah. life, and uh, from Channel O, I went on to Jam Alley and the fame. And if we, for people within the continent, if they don't understand Jam Alley, I'm trying to think was was possibly the equivalent of what an MTV TRL was in South Africa. It's, it, it was, was the longest running show. It was overnight fame. Channel O was great because it connected me to the entire continent mm -hmm. and we did a lot of international stuff like going to the Grammys, interviewing P. Diddy, Janet Jackson, Boys to Men, mm. Kenny Latimore, Little Kim, Missy Elliott, you know, so that was great, yes. you know, uh, but Jam Alley was a phenomenal 
at the time in South Africa. Yes. It was the most watched program, yes. you know, in South Africa. And so overnight, I went from being somebody that people might see on TV around the continent to being a local mm. It girl, yes. so to say, you know, and uh, one day you can walk into the store and the next day, everywhere you go, everybody knows you. It, I mean, it was overnight. Yeah. And also uh, at this time, what was your family thinking about your career path? Because, you know, generally in African families, I know my dad is always like, did you really, did I pay for an education for you to be doing this? <laughs> you know, so what my was your was like, when are you going to get a job? Yeah. <laughs> TV is not a job. When are you going to get a yeah. job? You know, you yeah. need to work. You need to do the right thing. And you need to, you know, I, they wanted me to be a lawyer. Yeah. You know, all my family's in law or yeah. medicine or they work for the UN. They're yeah. in government. They're in politics. And you're doing what? Yeah. You're a straight A student. Yeah. And all you're doing is on TV saying, hey, hi, mm. yo, what's up? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> no. and people, and you know, African parents are like, She's paying to be a clown. Okay. <laughs> That's what I like. paid for. <laughs> but now, um, and I, I think this is where your story really gets interesting. Um, is you know, so you 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 have this. You're doing really well, and you're well known in South Africa. You're well known around the continent, and everybody kind of is like everybody wants to be pushy, quite literally, you know. Um, and then things you start to hit a few bumps in life in general. And I asked this question because I had the privilege of going to a, a, a prison with you um, the one time when you were doing a ministry and outreach, and I was telling everybody I was like, "Wow, pushy story is amazing." And there you said about how incredible it was that before the cops were chasing you because of papers, and now here you are touching people's lives can you maybe expand on that story yeah um so i was uh on a work permit and my papers got all messed up and someone obviously was like she's not even south african she needs to get out of here you know yeah and then and then the cops were like well you need to leave and you need to reapply and you know things like that and it was really hectic because it's like oh your parents I send you to South Africa to school. Yeah. And now you're acting the fool. Yeah. You know, and so I had to go back home and I was so embarrassed. Home as into Liberia? Well, at the time, my father was working with the, the soon to be president. They were in exile, uh, Madam uh, Ellen Johnson Sirleaf. Oh, wow. Okay. Before she became president, they were in yes. exile in the Ivory Coast. Okay. So I had to be sent to my parents there yes. in Ivory Coast. Yeah. And it was so embarrassing because. Like when the when the driver is taking my dad to work and I'm sitting in the car and all these politicians are looking at me like, so you're coming back here embarrassing sure. Liberia, you yeah. know, kind of thing. And but my but my, I mean, my parents were so loving, mm. you know, they mm. were so loving. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was a very difficult time. I was so young. Yeah. To experience something like that, you know, when you're young, you think nothing bad will happen to you. You're yeah. sheltered, you know, your parents protect you from everything. And uh, to have been sent away to school, yes, because I chose to come to South Africa to school, <laughs> you know, but I did graduate. I graduated, yes. of course, uh, top of my class as usual, because yes. I'm an overachiever. But my siblings all went to the States. Yes. So I was alone in South Africa. Sure. There was no one to guide me. There was no one to tell me, you know, you need to renew your papers. You need mm. to do this. You need to do that. There was no one mm. to keep me on the straight and narrow mm. and it was very easy for people to take advantage of me or mm. to lead me down the wrong path mm. I'm by no means innocent yes. in the whole situation mm. you know uh, when you're like 19 years old you're not really thinking you're not yeah. and you don't know consequences yeah. and you don't really understand yeah. uh, uh, adult stuff yes. a lot of adult stuff you're still a teenager yes. and it's so easy for the enemy to destroy you yes. and looking back I, I totally get it 
Yes. I'm like, if I was the devil, I would have attacked me then too. Yes. Knowing what I'm doing now, going yes. into prisons, uh, setting those people free spiritually, mm, yes. uh, encouraging those yes. women in the prison. I mean, that's my favorite ministry yes. ever. Going in there, you know, the last time we went uh, about a month ago, there was a witch doctor in there and mm. uh, she said she saw me twice in a dream coming and removing sure. all the, the stuff off of her. And I took the scissors and I was cutting it off. And then she started telling about the visions and everything, mm. you know. So setting people free spiritually, emotionally, mentally, mm. mentoring those people and telling them, listen, you were not born to be in prison. You have got to get your act mm. together and turn your life around. I can see why the enemy would have wanted mm. to put me in prison or kick me out of mm. the country, you know. And former Satanists, uh, when we're in Bible school, said to me, the reason why we try to get rid of you is because God has called you to be the voice of women in this nation yeah. and everything just made sense yeah i mean sure even when you speak because i remember so many other things that you've spoken about because there was a, an attack on your life where that was concerned because we call it what it was an attack and then also you i, I saw an interview where you spoke about how you could have been um carabo you could have been the person who had passed away mm -hmm. and just to put in context for um people outside of south africa it's just about you know around the fa uh, the famous side that's been happening within the country and you said that there were times when you almost lost your life in that way um you know where you were uh, physically abused by males uh, yeah. in your life can you yeah. talk to us definitely a bit about that? definitely um so when i was in school i was i was living in the in the carlton hotel i was studying hotel management yeah. so uh, my parents fly me to south africa I go I live into a five live in a five-star hotel and I'm supposed to be there for two years studying working and living in the hotel uh, studying hotel management and I go to the nightclub one day um, and before I'm going out I said Lord please can I meet somebody and so we go to the nightclub and there's these these people you know on stage performing mm -hmm. and dancing and everything and this guy you know starts paying attention to me and I thought wow you know God mm -hmm. heard my prayers not knowing the devil also heard sure you know yeah. and uh, so we start dating because he comes to pick me up from the hotel. I don't know anywhere in South Africa. So he starts showing me around, taking me out. And we start dating and everything. And so when I finish uh, studies, he's like, no, don't go back to the States. You know, stay here. Mm. I was like, okay, cool. And I stay. And that's when I became a prisoner. Mm. I had nowhere to go. I was cut off from my family, from the outside world. Because of this relationship. He beat yeah. me to a pulp. I mean, he mm. was like, you have long hair, you're going to be bald today. He will drag me up a flight of stairs by my hair. Sure. And I thought it would literally come out of my skull. He will mm. beat me up and say, you think you're going to be famous? I'll cut your face up. You'll never be on TV. He'll drive the car and then uh, like try to kill us while he's driving. I mean, it was just horrendous, mm. you know. It was so many instances that he, and then he threatened to kill himself and make me watch. And mm. one day I got to the point where I was like, please succeed, mm. really kill yourself and mm. do me a favor. Because I really thought I'm never going to be able to get out. Mm. And he used to say, if you ever think of leaving, I will kill you. Sure. I will find you and I'll kill you, you know. And yeah, so when I see, um, you know, strong women never expect that they can be in that kind of situation. Mm. You never think, you know, my mom raised me better than that. I will never mm. let any man put their hands on me. If you touch me, I'll hit you right back. But the enemy is very subtle with how he traps you to abuse mm. you, to kill you. He comes mm. to steal, kill and destroy. Mm. And so when I saw what was going on with Karabo, nobody wanted to help me when this guy was trying to kill mm. me. Everybody knew this guy said he's going to kill and me. And none of your friends. No, no they, they were scared. Nobody could Sure. Nobody could help, you know, and uh, it, it it was just horrendous. Mm. And and I know that if God had not helped me, mm. one time He kidnapped me and took me into the mountains to kill me, to sacrifice me there. He had a huge knife, and He says, "Today you're gonna die." Mm. And that's when I found God. Sure, it was that time at about 
2 a.m. in the middle of the bush. There was no lights in sight, nothing. And I said, Lord, I don't know if you're real. I heard about you. I went to church. I I know there's the Bible, but I don't know if you're real. But today, whether the Bible is real, whether the pastors are real, whether the church is real, if you are real, if you exist, then today I will not die. Mm. I will live and I will tell the world about you. And that was the changing moment in my life. Already on Channel O. Mm. Already getting famous. And that's when I found God. Sure. And it feels like sometimes we have to hit hit these extreme situations in order for us to see that we actually need God. Because I think that they can be, I mean, as you were speaking, I feel as though within the industry, one of the dangers and why people always feel that people in the industry can get ahead of themselves is because it's so hard to be humble when the whole world is like, you're amazing. You know, you're wonderful. Anything you ask, you'll get because of your profile, you know. So sometimes it feels as though when we get to that point, that's when it is that we actually have that encounter where we're like, okay, we need to get serious about our lives you know in terms of the yeah, decisions we make I didn't really struggle in that area mm. because I, I because of the family that I came from mm. I always had uh, and I always had yeah I always had a profile yeah. you know coming from a small country like Liberia living in Ghana mm. hey everybody knows everybody we all wait, celebrities what, what is, is it, the current Ghanaian president is like an uncle to you right <laughs> he knows my father. They went to school yes, together. Yes, yes. I, I don't think he that. knows me. <laughs> I'm sure. But he went yeah. to school with my dad. Yeah. They're friends. Yes, yeah, yes. they went to school together. I mean, look, when you they went like to family school in friends. England. Let me say, yeah, they went to school together in yes. England. So when you were in that t- in that times, probably the fifties or I don't know yeah. when it was. Listen, we're Africans. We're always like, uncle. <laughs> when it's when it's when it's like only five African kids. Yeah, I think there were about five of them in yeah. the entire school. Yeah, they were best friends. They were all close. Yeah, so we are all. It is. Uncle Nana, no, it is yeah. Uncle Jake. Is. Oh, better be like it is Uncle. You know, yeah. yeah. Sure, that's amazing. Now, um, you let's talk about you being in in ministry. Um, and I ask this question because I've traveled around the continent, not as much as you, but you know, when it comes to the church as a whole, it feels like there's there's always this attack on the church and it's because perhaps on one hand people feel that certain leaders have let you know have given Christianity a bad name let me say and then on the other hand people are like this is not real do you know what I mean in in Africa it becomes so this whole our relationship with God can become almost like a give or take like a trade exchange if you do this you'll get that you know what are your thoughts around the way that the church is perceived in Africa as a whole and how do you ensure that because you've done it so well, you know, how do you ensure that your credibility just remains pure? I think what's important is authenticity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people put you on a pedestal and then they knock you off mm. when they discover your humanity. Mm. Um, I think the privilege that I have is I've, I've always been myself mm. and people have known me before I became a pastor. Mm. So there's not this preconceived. No surprise. Yeah, yeah there's no surprise. Yeah. You know, if anything, they're like, wow, she's saved now, yeah. you know. But I think what happens is people idolize celebrities, pastors, different people. And as soon as you, your humanity comes through, as soon as you make Mm. a mistake, as soon as you falter, they use that as an excuse for their own lives to say, you see, this is why I don't believe in God, because look at what these people are doing. But Mm. at the end of the day, you know, being a pastor is just one sinner telling the other sinner where they found bread. That's all it is. You know, I'm just a normal person that is telling everybody where I found the Lord and how he helped me and sharing that with you. Mm. And you, I 
can lead you to him, but I can't save mm. you, you know. But there's there, besides that part, you know, people that are maybe have integrity and trying to, mm. to live a godly life mm. and a, an example and be a testimony to the world. There are people who, um, you know, that the devil imitates. Mm. He doesn't create. He just imitates and he knows the word of God too. Mm. And so he comes and he, he, he uses it for monetary gains or popularity mm. or fame or whatever mm. in our name, in the name of being a pastor, mm. in the name of being a Christian mm. uh, to, 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 to defame all of us, mm. you know, and, and if somebody's praying insecticide and doom in your face, mm. that's that, that bad that's apple not does what, not yes. spoil our bunch. That's yes. not what we're about, yes. you know. So you cannot paint us all with the same brush. Mm. You know, you must also use wisdom and discretion and mm. ask God. The Bible says, test the spirits. Mm. So test, mm. ask, is this of you, God? Is mm. this you? Mm. You know, does this person represent you? Mm. You know, um, but it's the same everywhere. I mean, in any profession, there's good and bad. Mm. I agree with that. Sure. And you're, what you say is very true. I mean, when you said about how the, how the, all the enemy can do is imitate, not exactly. create, you know, which is so powerful. And I think for me, it's something that touches me quite a lot because it's like sometimes I'll be at a church, you know, somewhere and I just think to myself, oh, something does not feel right. And you have that thing where you just want to run out, you know, but then how do you then explain to people that, no, 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 this is not what's real. That is what's real, you know, or find out for yourself or, you know, ask God for yourself exactly like what you're saying. Now, um, check your spirit yes. if you don't have peace yeah. about it yeah. that should indicate to yeah. you you know yeah. there must be peace mm. your feet must rest in peace mm. in a place you know mm. uh, when Noah built the ark he sent the dove out and mm. said when it came back there was no dry place to rest mm. his, rest their feet if you don't find peace in a place mm. you don't need to know the details yeah. you don't need the scoop Exactly, you can just go. <laughs> just go. <laughs> just go. You don't need to stick around. Now, um, Pastor Pushy, you've also been preaching quite a lot internationally. You know, I feel that every time I go on Instagram, I'm like, oh, wow, that's amazing. Look where she is. How did you end up, you know, first of all, I, I think if I'm not mistaken, um, Pastor Paula White is a spiritual mentor for you. And she's somebody who a lot of people know, obviously. And the question is, how did that connection kind of happen? And also just traveling around the world, um, you know, what, what's the one, what do you think your personal um, ministry is, let me say, when you travel everywhere? Because I, I assume every pastor has a different kind of ministry or area of speciality, if I'm using the right term. Yeah, every pastor has a message. Okay. I'll call it a message. Okay. Uh, so you've got Joseph Prince, it's grace. Mm. Um, you've got uh, Pastor Joel Esteen, mm. it's hope. Yeah. You know, uh, I believe mine is purpose. Yes. It's purpose. So mm. every time we preach, we are telling you the same thing using different scriptures in different mm. ways. So for me... I believe you're born for a purpose. You mm. know, before God formed you, he knew mm. you. You're here to do something. You're not just here to live and mm. then die, you know. Uh, you're born for a purpose that the world cannot do without. And your business is mm. to find out what that is and get busy doing mm. it at all costs. Mm. That is fulfillment. Mm. And this is a bird was born to fly. A fish was born to swim. And Pushy was born to preach. And mm. Lee was born to. And mm. John was born to. And Joseph was born to. Mm. And David was born to be king. You know, so there is a calling on your life. There's a destiny on your mm. life. And, and if you cooperate with it, all of 
creation and God is mm. helping you to get to that place. Mm. So no one can take your place. You cannot take anybody else's place. That's why you should always be able to help other mm. people because what is for you is for you and mm. no one else can take it. So my message is always helping people mm. to find their calling, get into their purpose and live a successful, a faith-filled life. Mm. You know, that's that's my calling. Mm. That's my purpose. And I think everywhere I go, um, I I aspire to inspire before I expire. Mm, I like that. Now, um, Pastor Pushy, when we when we look at the continent r- right now, Africa is in the best of times and the worst of times at the same time, you know, and we have the youngest population within the continent. So there's a large group of um, young Africans who are excited and they want to do something to change the continent. And then there's another group of them who do want to do that, but every single time their hope is broken. And it's not because of something that they've done, but perhaps the, 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 the say the political system that they're living under. So how do you, in a situation where you've perhaps, if we just make it you know very plain, if you basically want to be able to get an education, but you don't have access and you feel like every time I go through a door, it keeps getting closed or you want to work and you're not able to work how do you as a young person find a way to get through onto the other side if that makes sense because that seems to be one of the the main problems within the continent as a whole people want to contribute but doors keep on shutting around them so on a basic level how do you push through the challenges should i say yeah, I mean, it's it's one of the, the biggest things in life, finding your place, you know, mm. and, and, and breaking through into where you feel or where you be, you believe you belong. Mm. And it's not an easy thing to do, no matter what sphere mm. you're getting into, you know, because you, you, all the time you're thinking, why am I here? What am I here to do? Mm. And the Bible says, knock and the door shall be open. Mm. It doesn't say break it down. It doesn't mm. say kick it down. It doesn't say light a fire. It doesn't say burn it, you mm. know. It says knock and the door shall be open. If it doesn't open, it's not your door. Mm. But knock. Okay. Keep knocking. Yeah. You know, knock again. Knock on different doors yeah. until something opens. Yeah. And maybe you don't, you don't go the route you thought you would go. Maybe you have to go to a different route. Maybe mm. you have to take another uh, avenue to get there. But I am convinced mm. that what is for you is definitely for you. And eventually, mm. you have to get there. Mm. Eventually, you will get to where mm. you're supposed to get to if you don't quit, if you don't give up. Mm. But it's not automatic. It's not easy. If it was easy, everybody would be doing yeah. it. And maybe it's never been done before because you're supposed to be the first one to do it yeah so be relentless about your passion mm. and that's why it has to be your passion and your calling because it's not easy mm. you know you, you're looking for a job and there are no jobs you know volunteer somewhere anywhere you're unemployed mm. volunteer in where you want to own mm. if you want to be the ceo of our company go volunteer in that company mm. if you have a passion for that company instead of sitting at home I volunteered for six years in our church. Okay, no, not everybody has the privilege of being unemployed for six years, Mm. right? I was doing other things maybe that could bring in a little bit of income. I was married at the time, so my bills were covered. But if you're unemployed and you're in your mother's house, you've graduated from school, you have nothing to do, you're Mm. looking for a job, I would go and serve at the company that I love so much Mm. and outdo every disgruntled employee there Mm. who's complaining, you know, and who's feeling entitled about having a paid job Mm. and i'm telling you before long they'll be hiring sure that is so true and now i'm also pastor pushy when it comes to social media a lot of people are influenced by what's going on in social media so i I don't know who it was that said that nobody ever posts their worst day on social media (laughs) you know it never does happen so how do you use social media um as a tool so that it doesn't kind of determine who it is that you are but it furthers what it is that you're doing do you know what i mean and i speak specifically where um where girls are concerned how do you ensure that you 
you're not trying to aspire to something that is not real, you know, once the cameras are off, um, but you also are able to use it as a tool to push whatever it is that you may be doing because it's a very thin line. Well, you've just said it. Yeah. That's what it's all about. What is your purpose for being there? Mm. To look at other people and compare your real life stories with other mm. people's filtered images, mm. you know? And people, if, if I have time to be taking a million selfies on the beach, <laughs> I'm not enjoying myself that much. That's, no, a that's, clue to begin with. <laughs> that's a clue to begin with because yeah. the best pictures should never make it onto social media because yeah. you're too busy having fun. You're too busy in the moment. Yeah. The ones that do make it, you actually had to work for that picture. Yeah. Uh, there's like 50 selfies before you get one good one. Right. Mm. So why are you comparing your reality to somebody else's uh, uh, media image it's mm. an image it's mm. not even the reality even the people on social media don't look like themselves in real life mm. because there's makeup there's lighting there's filter there's airbrushing there's cream cam there's all kinds of things you yeah. know and and you should be having more people follow you than mm. you follow mm. sure if you're sitting having so many people that you're following and you, you don't know who you are because you're being bombarded. The Bible says, let us create man in our image and our likeness. Now you are quite trying to recreate yourself in the image of the images that you see. And mm. those are not even real people. Yeah. But if you're creating the image of God, then you're posting your own image. This is what I'm selling. This is what I'm presenting. I'm presenting myself as this person. I'm a musician. This is my music. This is my work. Mm. I'm an artist. I'm a, a, a doctor. I have this business Present your own image And let other people follow that image You're not supposed to be following other people's mm. images People are supposed to be following you Because you carry the light of God mm. So cut down on all the things you're looking at I'm literally at. looking at my phone I'm like uh, how many people am I following I think I follow 92 <laughs> Yeah, I have a policy that I will not follow more than 100 people Sure. And basically those 92 people Are my family, because yeah. I'm spying on my nieces and nephews. <laughs> to make sure. That's it. They yeah. hardly post, but they know if they post anything, my kids, yeah. I'm watching. <laughs> so it's it's family. Yeah. It's pastors that I have to learn from. Yeah. You know, and it's one or two people who I know it's it's important for me to follow them because they need me to be connected to them for them to feel for me to minister to them. Yeah. Otherwise, I don't follow my friends. I yeah. don't follow the people that, you know, I see you every day. Why do I need to follow yeah. you? So it's for people to follow me, for me to spread the gospel to those people. Yeah. That's what it's about. Yeah. So I have 54,000 or 55,000, I don't know, 53,000 followers. So I'm, no, no, that's nothing. <laughs> if I was on TV, I know I'd have 500,000, yeah. you know. So I don't see that as a big deal. Yeah. But uh but then I'm only following a few people because what you see, what you hear, you know, yeah. out of the goes into the heart and out of the heart, mm. the mouth speaks. Mm. So you have to be careful with your intake because mm. your intake will determine your output. Mm. And just t touching on that, um, Pastor Pushy, how do you ensure, I mean, because I can imagine that when you're a pastor, it does become a bit lonely at times, especially when you either have to prepare a message or be sure that you hear from God. I've never been a pastor, so I wouldn't know. But I would assume that it's a huge responsibility, you know, um, and I just think of that, um, to whom much is given, much is required. How much of a sacrifice is it for you um, to be a pastor? And I ask that question um, because I don't think I articulated it before quite well. 
a lot of times, you know, when we look at the world, um, everybody thinks that, oh, if I'm this, my life is going to be great. And, you know, then there's this whole thing around, oh, pastors have the best lives and all of this stuff. So what is the, how much of a sacrifice do you have to put in, you know, in order to be able to speak in front of a lot of people? Because I don't think that's something that's discussed often. Everybody's like, Jesus said it. That's it. I'm going to do it. But nobody knows um, the, the sacrifices that are made. Okay. So the truth is... A uh, 45-minute message takes four to five days. Sure. For me. Um, is it, it, It's the four to five hours that you prepare, mm. not the 40 minutes that you speak. I don't use notes when I preach. By that mm. time, it better be in me because I can't follow notes. Mm. So I have to memorize my entire message. I have to know it in my Noah before I preach. But uh, we have a saying that ministry is very lonely. I don't think it's something we should broadcast to everybody. But amongst ourselves, we know that ministry is lonely. Leadership is lonely mm. because you have to be separated. Uh, there's, there's, the, 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 the shallow end is very overcrowded. Okay. The seashore is very overcrowded. Uh, going deep, not everybody can do it. At the bottom of the mountain, it's comfortable, it's familiar, it's fun. But the higher you climb, the thinner the air, the less people can get there. So you always are going to lose people along the way. Uh, the higher you climb, the more isolated you become uh, in the natural. But in the spiritual, you have to spend a lot of time alone mm. to hear from God. Mm. A lot of time alone. Uh, pastors, we are asleep by 8 o'clock. Sure. Because we have to preach the next morning. and We have to... Uh, the woman in the Bible says, If I touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. And Jesus says, somebody touched me. He said, no, everybody touched you. There are a lot of people around you. There's a huge crowd around you, mm. you know. And he says, no, somebody touched me because power has left me. Mm. And when we preach, power leaves us. Mm. You have to be very strong physically, mentally, and spiritually to stand up mm. and take people mm. into the presence of God. Mm. Sure. And lead them in there. Yeah. And when you come out, you are exhausted. Mm. You are tired. So we spend a lot of time alone. Mm. And also, who wants to hang out with a pastor? <laughs> I would imagine everybody... You're so cool. I imagine everybody wants to hang out and with we you. We also don't want to <laughs> hang out with everybody because pastors like to hang out with pastors because, you know, we talk Christianese <laughs> and, you know, when I talk to my pastor friends, we can talk five, six hours. Yeah. And we're like one Thessalonians. <laughs> We're just talking Bible. We're talking ministry. We, we you know, iron sharpening iron. Yeah. And, you know, we, we don't want to have to explain to everybody else. Like, you know, it's like when I was famous, I hung out with a lot of famous people. Yeah. And people thought celebrities just hang out with each other. No, it's not that we just hang out with each other. It's just that we don't have to explain. Yeah. You know, when the newspapers write about you, Shrashu was writing about you and you're upset and other people thinking, well, at least they're talking about you. No, no, no. For us, it's not at least they're talking about you. It's like, no, you're lying. That's yeah. not true. That's not a true representation of who I am. And, you know, a lay person is thinking, these famous people. Mm. Whereas with us, we're walking the mall mm. back then. And we're, we're shy. Mm. We're shy. Because it feels like everybody, you feel like you're in a, in a, in a fishbowl. Everybody's yes. looking at you. Everybody yeah. knows you. Everybody's yeah. checking, does she gain weight? Does she lose yeah. weight? Does she grow her hair? She, she looks much smaller in real life. She's not mad. She's not mad. Oh, is, she tall? is it really her? No, it's not her. No, she's not so pretty. No, it's not. No, she is pretty. You're being judged the whole time. Yeah. So you're just trying to get where you're going to and leave and yeah. go back home as quickly as possible. Yeah. 
and not everybody will understand that. Yeah. And now, uh, your thoughts around um about uh, around the pulpits and politics, or should I say, around um pastors being involved in perhaps maybe in in politics? And I I ask this question because it's something that's a huge um I wouldn't you know it's, it's something that happens quite frequently within the continent as a whole. What do you think the role of a pastor should be when it comes to political to anything political at all? I think I'm not qualified. Mm to comment on that yet okay i think uh there's priests and kings mm-hmm. please um, explain that because uh, <laughs> so now you're speaking the priests preach the king the kings uh govern and rule okay okay but okay. both both are in the kingdom okay okay so the the the, the priest preaches the message and the king finances the kingdom mm. okay and it says go into all the world mm. and make disciples that means we can't all be pastors. Hmm. We cannot all just be in the church and be a bless me club. Yeah. You know, there has to be people in politics. There has to be people in, in media. Hmm. There has to be people in the hospitals. Hmm. I don't want to go and have an operation and the Satanist delivers my baby. You're like, no, thank I'm you. I'm happy when I see the nurses wearing a cross <laughs> yeah. and she has a Bible <laughs> in her room. You know, I'm a lot more comfortable. I don't need to ramba shandamba, koroba shandaba shandaba. <laughs> You know, <laughs> so we have to be in all the world. Yeah. And I am still a young pastor that doesn't qualify to to get into government, to get yeah. into politics. Well, I live vicariously through my father because yeah. he served presidents. Yes. So it's like, well, my dad did it for me. Yes. That's how I feel. But I think absolutely it is important for the church to have a voice. Mm. For us not to to depend on all the governments to do mm. everything, but mm. the, for the church to lead the people, to equip the saints for the working of the ministry, to mm. equip them to go out and to 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 rule and reign mm. in all the earth. And I think that when you graduate to a certain level in ministry, you get political influence mm. and authority, mm. divine authority mm. from God. Yeah, I, I've seen that. Mm. In other people's lives mm. where you're not looking for it, mm. but they're calling you. Mm. They're asking, can the church help us with xenophobia? Mm. Can the church help us with uh, gender violence? Yeah. You know, where they're asking for the leaders because every Sunday we have the ear. So my aunt works for the UN and, and she's in Namibia and with the first lady and all these people. And, and I go in for a church and they're like, what church are you coming for? We're mm. not giving visas to people for the church because it's been abused. What church mm. is this? Non-denominational. Oh, no, but it's not a Catholic. You know, so they have no clue. Eventually, I get the visa. I go in and she invites some of the other political uh, ladies to come because her niece is preaching and she's mm. never heard me preach. And they come to the, 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 the and they're surprised. Yeah. How did you guys get 3,000 women in one room sure. and they're listening and they're impressed? How did you, how did you do it? We do it every weekend. Mm. It's what we do. Mm. So now, from not wanting to give a visa, they're asking, can you tell us how you get all these women in one room and sure. how you speak to all these young girls? Mm. Now they're asking us, can you please come to the prison? Mm. It goes Powerful. from us yeah. saying, can we come to the prison? Uh, well, well, policies are, you can't, you mm. can't, you can't, can we please? Mm. Now, when are you coming back? Mm. Sure. So as you graduate in ministry, as God trusts you, mm. Your sphere of influence, the Bible says, enlarge my territory. Mm. We are to rule, reign, mm. and have dominion. Mm. And when you get to a certain sphere of influence, he says, I will make, your gift will make room for you and bring you before kings. Mm. In those days, it was kings. Today, it's presidents. Yes, sure. And it's absolutely vital mm. that the ear of a leader 
We must pray for our leaders. We must pray for those in authority, both in government and in ministry, that the ear of a, of a leader that is running a nation that has impact in the world, that the person that is whispering into that ear is whispering the words from Almighty God. Mm. Very important. Sure. And it's a very select few people that God mm. can trust with that level of influence. Now, um, Pastor Pushy, you mentioned something about your father serving presidents. Um, and I realize I don't think I've ever actually fully understood or known what it, kind of role your family has played, you know. So I want to ask this question multifaceted. Firstly, the lesson in with regards to service, because I think that that's something we don't talk about. Everybody's about getting to the top. There's no, you know, element in service. So what did you learn from your father seeing him serve um, presidents, you know? So this is so interesting that you ask that because um, I've always stayed out of politics. I mean, I'm just so young, you know. Yeah. So I, I, it, it was natural for me to not even have anything to do with it. Yeah. And seeing my father serve in, in politics made me feel like at least he's contributing on mm. my behalf, yeah. right? But my father served two presidents, the mm-hmm. interim president during the war, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Dr. Amos Sawyer, and then he served the first female president in Africa, mm-hmm. uh, Madam Ellen Joseph Sirleaf. Mm-hmm. And to see my dad, a businessman, a strong, powerful man, be the chief of protocol, serving, running the campaigns, mm-hmm. and going before she, you know, before she has to see uh, the American president, President Bush at the time, he has to go and meet with their chief of protocol, make sure everything is in order for her, let them know, okay, this is a female president, she needs a separate bathroom. Mm-hmm. Wow, those are you things have we a don't meeting think of. room. Those yes. are things you don't think of. You have a meeting room, and there's one bathroom there, but there's a female amongst you now. Where's her place? Where's her privacy? You know, little things like that. Uh, who's zipping up her back? Where's her female? Uh, uh, you know. Help. Mm. Where is somebody who's going to travel with her to make sure they help her zip her back up, put her earrings, make sure her hair is right? You know, to see him serving in detail a female and not saying that a man cannot serve a woman or Mm. I've left my wife and my children at home and my daughter's on TV, but here I am serving another woman or Mm. whatever. That is servanthood. Mm. True servanthood is when you are treated like a servant and it doesn't offend you. Because you know that your place is to serve. Mm. You have to be number one. Mm. Be the best at being number one. Mm. Uh, uh, Number two to a number one. Mm. Be number one at being number two to a number one. Sure. It doesn't, but you know, I prefer that personally. My character, I like to hide behind somebody else. Mm. So that's. That's me. Yeah. I want to be a pastor's wife, not a pastor. Yeah. I want to sit. And look here, you are. Go. I want to sit on the floor and say, "Amen, preach." Oh, that's good, baby, preach. Yeah. You know, and yeah. not take the heat in the spotlight because I've had the spotlight my whole life. Yeah. So I think people who always want to be in the forefront, always want to be in the light, those lights are hot. Yeah. Those lights are hot, yeah. and then we end up getting it too young, and then they end up on drugs, then they end up. You know, so many celebrities that we know because of the pressure, because mm. of the eyes, because of the attention and uh, getting into substance abuse. And it's really sad. It's really hectic. It's really sad. Now, um, Pastor Pushy, before we let you go, um, I did want to say or ask this question with regards to this whole idea of being an overnight success. Because to a lot of people, it's almost like, okay... Pastor Pushy was here and now she's here, you know. Um, so so your story almost seems as though it's an overnight success. So the journey from you, from, you know, when you started in terms of your career to you becoming a pastor and that transition, how long did that entire journey take? And what would you say to people who are just like, because, you know, there are people, there are haters out there, if I can use the word, haters are like... <laughs> 
because she pretty because she used to do you know she was on tv it's because this you know what do you say to people who are perhaps um critical of of you and of you and your role in the church as a whole what would you say to them and also your your preaching style is if i can use the word it's gangster like seriously i'm like i get there sometimes and i'm like pastor pushy's like wearing like all stars i'm like okay today's going down like you have you hold no bars if you (laughs) see me with my sneakers on it's gonna get crazy (laughs) definitely um, but uh, first of all, I'm flattered. Yeah. I'm really flattered that people think I got there because I'm pretty. Because I don't think I'm that pretty. So first of all, I'm flattered that people think I'm pretty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not in the least bit offended. Uh, you know, listen, I, I know a very famous pastor's daughter. And uh, somebody was like, yeah, it's just because your father is so-and-so. Mm. And she was like, yeah, well, I can't help who my father is. I was, I was like, why are you even apologizing? Mm. It's like, girl. Use everything that God gave you. Yeah. If I'm successful just because I'm pretty, well, then that's my gift. My yeah. beauty was my gift to open a door for me. Use yours. Yes. You know, don't hate on me. Yeah. You know, if you think, and I don't care what people think uh, the secret to my success yeah. is, because then that gives them hope that they can use theirs. You know, but the honest truth is it takes 10 years to be an overnight success. Yeah. And I got born again for the first time in 1995, surrendered to the call of God on my life in 2003, and only started preaching full-time in 2010. Yeah. Sure. So, and now we're in 2018. Yeah. (laughs) And now we're in 2018. Yeah. Sorry, my phone. No problem. (laughs) I think I should put that on silent. (laughs) That's a friend from Ghana. I had called on the way here. Is that the president? No, no, no. Is but, that but, Uncle but, Nana? But, but it's kind of close. It's kind of close. Is that the president? She's right up there. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So the thing is, it takes a long time. Yeah. And I'm really, really happy if people think it's overnight. Yeah. Because, my gosh, it is so slow. It's like, yeah. God, where are you? Why yeah. are you taking so long? Is this ever going to happen? It's years and years of crying and fasting and mm. crying yourself to sleep and not believing and wondering when is it going to happen and wanting to give up and wanting to quit. My gosh, it is a painful, long process. Like, how bad do you want it? Mm. You know, by the time you get it, you know, people be like, the first time you people are like, oh, you know, always stay humble. It's like, do you know what I've had to go through? Kidnap, abuse, beat up, you know, just to get here. I don't have the mm. privilege of not being humble. Mm. It's taken me so long to be here. I'm so tired. I have to remind myself to celebrate my success. Sure. I'm not even big headed about it. It's mm. you because you just seen me for the first time. But you were not mm. in the pit. You were not in the prison. You were not in Potiphar's house when I was being lied on and accused. You seeing me in the palace. And it looks good, mm. but don't be fooled. It's not easy. Mm. And Pastor Pushy, the biggest misconception when it comes to you? I have no idea. Maybe yeah. you can tell me. You know, I, I, I don't know. No, really I think you're attention. gangster. I, I think that you're gangster. So I'm always like, I'm I don't like, really pay attention to what everybody else is doing or thinking like, or saying. And yeah. nobody really tells me what yeah. they're thinking or saying. So I don't really know. I sort of live in a bubble. I'm in my bedroom hearing from God. And then I'm preaching. Then I'm yeah. back in my bedroom praying and reading my Bible. So I'm not really in contact with everybody else to know what they're thinking. Yeah. But I'm the most, I think I'm boring. No, no, wait, wait, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Not boring in no, preaching, okay. but boring in life. As a, okay. I just take my kids to school. I love to be at home. I love yeah. to read my Bible. I read the Bible through every year. 
wow every year i've done that for 10 years yeah every year and that's what i spend my time doing watching christian tv reading the bible talking to my friends about ministry and then what's the least pastor type thing that you do that people will be surprised Um, you know like you're because you know everyone's Okay, yeah, yeah. Dance. Yeah. So you still dance? Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, like, oh, yes. Every challenge. What was that one challenge where Kiki... Oh, the, the in my feelings. Yeah, so my yeah. daughter's called Kiki. And so she, I was like, Kiki, do you love me? She's like, oh, mom, you're so irritating. <laughs> and then she plays the song and she tells me what to do. And I do it and she films me. And I'm like, if only I could post this online. Yeah. Because I feel that then... <laughs> <laughs> So I dance for the kids. I dance at yeah. home. They play the latest yeah. song and I dance. I yeah. love dancing to West African music. Yeah. My family, we play music and yeah. then we'll just be dancing the whole time to our West African music. It's like, uh-huh. Yeah. She's got the groove yes. now. Yes. How far? my money. <laughs> Pastor Pushy, it's been such a pleasure having you in the in um, on Africa State of Mind. Um, you know, I, I, when I speak to you, every single time I speak to you, and today, I always kind of get the sense of the same thing. You know, with the world that we live in today, it is so rare that you meet people that are authentically themselves, even though they may seem like a bit of a contradiction. But I feel that you're a beautiful contradiction. And because of that, people are able to relate to you as a whole. I love your messages, your gangster. And it's true. When you're wearing, like, sneakers, I'm just like, hey. This but thing is I, I'm going to start down. preaching in the morning, so I'll I'll tone it down a little bit and be a bit more professional. No, I think I think that just the way that you are is exactly the way that you're made to be. You know that that you're made to be, and you really are touching so many people's lives. I love what you say. You say this so often that if you are wrong about, um, you said eternity is a very long time to be wrong. You know, so you'd rather be wrong and be inspiring and motivating people. Do you yes, know what I mean? I then end up say, on the flip side. Yeah. Yeah, I say if, if I spend my whole life preaching about heaven and it's not real, yeah. I lost nothing because yeah. I motivated people and I had a good time doing it. Yeah. But if hell is real, eternity is a long time to be wrong. So I'll take my chances Egg. with heaven. I love that. And thank you so much for being an inspiration. You're everything that I think that, you know, all African women can be and they can aspire to. We do want to see this uh, in my feelings challenge, you know, uh. like if we can maybe get that radio, I'll be like, things you did not know <laughs> but Pastor Pushy it's such a pleasure to have you um, in studio and thank you so much for sharing your story and I'm excited to hear that you also be preaching a lot more in the morning but please I'll be the one who's just like you can wear the sneakers <laughs> uh, I'll put the heels on for the morning people yeah. ease them into it <laughs> before you shock them yes but thank you very much and the best thank of you. I wouldn't say the best of luck but just you, it's so obvious that you're blessed so we're just looking forward to hearing more and more and more great things about you thank you so thank much you. thank you to all of you for tuning in Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Africa State of Mind. I hope that you enjoy listening to this podcast as much as we enjoy putting it together for you. And once again, a big shout out to all of the amazing people um, from around the amazing continent of Africa, uh, you know, who are really doing their part with regards to changing the narrative. Don't forget that you can interact with us um, on our Twitter handle at Africa State Mind. You can also join the Africa State of Mind group on Facebook. And please remember 
remember to rate us um, on iTunes. Let us know how it is that you think that we're doing. And if you have any ideas for any guests or people from your particular country uh, within the continent of Africa that are really changing the narrative, please be sure to share it with us. That's all we have for time for today. My name is Lika Sumba, Africa State of Mind. We'll be back next week with another great episode. Africa State of Mind with Lee Kasumba. Get it on iTunes now.